Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Playwright Repertory Podcast. I'm Mitchell Huntley, here again with my co-host, Sarah Lena Sparks. Hello! And it's time for a mini-episode. Mini-episode. Today, we're going to be talking about writer's block. Dun-dun-dun! Hey, that wasn't even <laughs> planned, and we did it at That the was same not time. planned. We just... One-take wonders, that's what they call us mm-hmm. in business. <laughs> so yeah, today we're going to be talking about writer's block, which everyone gets. And don't let your productive friend try to convince you otherwise. Everyone gets it, and especially now during quarantine. I started this quarantine being like, I'm going to be so flippin' productive, and then I just fell off the cliff. Now I'm like, oh, I'm playing some things on the piano. I'm typing a few words here and there. And I'm like, good, I'm making progress. So writer's lock happens to all of us. And we're going to talk about some ways we've encountered it, how to get past it, methods we've had, we developed, and some methods we've heard of, uh, just to give you some tips for how to get through it. Then we're going to play a game. Always a game. Because Mitchell has to play a game. Yeah. So Sarah, what experiences have you had with writer's block? Um... I think the pretty universal ones that everybody has. Sometimes, you know, you get writer's block in which for playwriting, you have no idea. You know you have to keep writing and, you know, you have to come up with some sort of new play idea, but you have no idea what that is. And for that, um, I would just, I don't know. I think it also depends on, like, where in the process you are when you get your writer's block. Like, um, I think I've talked about this before, but. One time I had this one line in my head for a play. Um, I'm infatuated with the buttons was the line. But I had no idea what the play was. And I tracked it. I, I, I came up with that first line in like Jan- January. No, like November actually. And then I didn't know what it was. Like the story was until like March. So. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get that kind of writer's block. Sometimes you'll be in the middle of the writing process and you just don't really understand where to go from there. I think I'm kind of kind of in that right now with one of the plays that I'm writing. Um, yeah. And sometimes you just don't even know where to begin. And I think one way to get through a lot of those is you have to kind of just start creating habits for your writing. Sure. Um, my my dad is a writer as well, and he always tells me you have to write as if, you know, this was your job and if it was something that you have to do every day. There's this one really good book on writing called Bird by Bird that my father made me read. I forget who it's by. Um, I'll I'll try to find that later. But um, it, it basically says you need to uh, you need to train your brain just as you would train your muscles um, and a really good way to do that is to schedule a time in your day, every single day, where you sit down and you try to write something. And even if nothing good comes out, it's kind of like you're training your brain to think a certain way at that time. Fortunately for me, that's normally around like 1 a.m. <laughs> and that's when I really start brewing. But um, I need to get better and train myself to do that more midday. But yeah, you can do those kinds of techniques. Um, there's this one technique called the Pomodoro technique. Do you know that one, Mitchell? I don't know that one. What is that one? So it's all about pacing. So you want to pace yourself when you're writing. A lot of people will set timers and make themselves write for this amount of time. And then they'll take a break and then they'll write again. It's kind of like when you're like writing 
or like training for a marathon and you do the whole like run for 10, walk for five or something like that. So I don't know anything about running, but I know that's a thing that people do. Um, All I know about that is like that and carb loading. That's the two things I know about running. Yeah. So it says um, you want to do it for you want to set a timer to write and do nothing else but write for like 25 to 45 minutes. And then you get kind of a 10 minute rest time. Um, some people do 25 minutes and the five minute rest time. I think that that's been told as like the most common one that people do. I think especially because we're like writing dialogue, you have to switch your brain from one character to the next. And I think that it's not like just writing a book where it's kind of this constant like thought stream of thought and like stream of consciousness. It's like, oh, I have to not only figure out how the story's going on, but how would this character and this person say this and what would they be doing and how would it affect them? And then you have to go into another mindset of another character so, but I think another just really good way to do it is just get all the shit on paper as you can. Don't let it <laughs> yes. sit in your brain because it's not going anywhere. Right. Um, yeah. I think Steve Jobs said like the best, I I, can't, I don't remember this quote. I feel like this whole episode is me just like vaguely remember the, remembering things that my dad has told <laughs> welcome me. To, welcome to Sarah vaguely remembering things her dad told her. Yeah. But, um, I'm guest host Mitchell Huntley. <laughs> Um, and, uh, he said like the best artist ship or something like, or the best brains ship. Um, and that's basically like, you can have all this information. You can have this wonderful piece of art just kind of like sitting in your head, but it's not anything until you write it out, till you send it out, till it's on paper, till, you know, it's, it's for other people besides you. So I think you just have to kind of keep writing. And one of the big things I've been told is that when you're experiencing writing walks, writer's block especially when you've already like started writing and you're stuck on like a dialogue or piece is uh to take go a few lines back because that will probably be your problem if like you're like oh i can't figure out where to go from here take a few steps back and evaluate what you, your characters like, can did do you put your yourself in your own hole kind of you know yeah and like maybe see if you can make a different decision and maybe that will help continue the track of your writing another thing i also heard is that when you're experiencing this writer's block, it's because you have your editing brain turned on at the same time as your writer's brain. And that those two are conflicting with each other because as you're writing something, your your brain goes, oh, no, you can't put that. Yeah. You and that's just that it hinders. I do that all the time. And it just hinders your writing ability and your ability to get stuff on the page. Yeah. I often. Yeah. I often find myself stuck when I have the idea, like the basics of an idea for a show. And as I try to come up with different things for like the story or the plot or characters, I start to encounter obstacles that I I probably am making up myself. I need to take my own advice, but I find different problems with it. And that stops me from just initiating and writing something down. Yeah. And I think what you said about the whole editing brain, too, you know, when you're trying to write in character, I would say first, you know, always be thinking about that. But also first, just like try to get all the information down. And then you can always go through it and be like, oh, that person would say, like, phrase it this way. And maybe they wouldn't even say that at all. And actually, I think that other character said that one. For your first pass, for your first drop, it's it's pretty much just like word vomit, you know? Yeah. And get all of the gubbly gook out. And I bet there's like a gem in there somewhere that you can find later. But you can't find that until you mine a little bit more, you know? So you just need to get all that stuff out of the way. 
Um, another thing I've been told is just try every single idea that you have. So if you are writing this one piece and, you know, all of a sudden you're like, what if there was a cow in the piece? Write the cow in. Maybe the cow will make it work. Like, you don't know. So um, never, like, dismiss an idea because you never know what can come out of that and just, like, play with it and do it anyway. Because, you know, there are literally no stakes when you're just writing yourself. It doesn't matter if you're if it's terrible, you know, um, you just want to put that all out and like things will catch on and things will work and stuff like that. Don't dismiss the cow. That's that's going to be our statement. Yeah. Don't dismiss the cow. What if the cow would make your story like really awesome? Bring that cow back in there. One of the one of the best tricks, at least I found and I'm sure Sarah's also found to getting rid of writer's block is to have a deadline for yourself. Mm-hmm. This, is why, competition? this is why competitions are fantastic. They give you a deadline, so you have to just make the decision yes. and go with it. You see, we are recording this on a Sunday. Uh, I have a competition that's due on a Thursday that I plan on submitting to for a 15-minute competition. Have I, I, I written... I also have to submit that. Oh, yeah. Are you doing that one, too? Yeah, yeah. I have think I'm I... doing that one, too. So is Benjamin Suskin, our MVP Benjamin Suskin, and he also hasn't started yet. So, you know... Uh, I don't really do it because like, oh, this competition, like obviously all the competitions that I choose to submit for are really cool and I think they're great opportunities. But a lot of times for me, it's like, oh, this is just one great motivator for me to get something on the page and just not have it sitting there. Um, I haven't really started yet. I've written one page. I kind of know the story. You've written more than I have. Yeah. So... You never know, but yeah, that's why competitions are great. I'd submit to them. A lot of them actually don't, you don't need to pay a submission fee. Some you do. Most of the times, if you do, they're like $10. So, you know, take with that what you will. But most you actually don't, I've found, when they're like little theaters and stuff like that. They don't. Or the Player Repertory Podcast. Or us, you know, but we don't. Maybe we should create deadlines to be like, be a part of. Their fall season just to get people to like, like, yeah. just to motivate you. But um, yeah, so submit to competitions, finding competitions that also I think it gets you kind of excited because, you know, another thing about playwriting, especially when you're young, is like, OK, I read this play and then what happens, you know, and it's not that you need that instant gratification, but it's good to know that it's going somewhere and that, it, you know, once you're done, it's not just going to sit there because I also feel like. I don't know, for playwrights, I feel like having an audience or, like, having somebody else read it, like, makes you feel more complete about the project. Because if it's just sitting on your computer, you could always go back and change it and revise it and revise it and revise it, which you should always do. I've revised my plays, like, after they've been produced, after they've been published, blah, blah, blah. But um, you should always, you know, I feel like playwrights really want some sort of, like, completion like some marker of like oh the process is kind of over I can you know I can fiddle it with it but I did this is the end of this version of it um and so that's why I think competitions are really great to submit to you know but if you're uh having a hard time dealing with competitions go to our competitions and rejections uh episodes episodes. Mitchell what has been your worst case of writer's block Worst case of writer's block, oof. I I always get writer's block for at least one of the projects I'm currently working on, which is why I work on multiple, so that if I have writer's block for one, I can, like, shift my focus to another. Yeah. Which is not a... I wouldn't say it's the best technique, 
but it definitely helps when you're having trouble with one. You don't want to, I feel like it's easy to kick yourself if you only have one, whereas you can distract yourself and be still be kind of productive if you have another project at the same time that you can, you can switch, like oscillate between one being on the back burner and one being worked on. I think it's hard to do that uh, consistently. It's nice to have one main project and maybe like a side project. Yeah, if you are, I I personally haven't really like done that, but um, I I'm doing it kind of right now. But I think yeah, one of the best ways to do that is if like one of the plays that you're working on is like a short one act, like a twenty minute or something like that, and then the other one is more like a full length. So then you know you have a big honker, but then you have something you can chew on sometimes i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> cows and big honkers and i don't know i don't know who i am i don't know where i'm from <laughs> yeah i'm the one with the the idioms yeah you are a lot of times mitch will say idioms and i have no idea what he's saying I have yeah. no idea what he's saying <laughs> all right well i think now we can get into our game yes this game that mitchell has this planned coveted game. Mm. So, Sarah, you're someone who took AP Art History, correct? I did take AP Art History. So I'm going to test you on that knowledge. That test, first of all, the AP Art History test, I don't know if it was my teacher. I loved my teacher. Um, They were a wonderful person, um, and I love them a lot. But they did want to teach us about the art more than just the AP curriculum. And also... When I took the test, they changed the testing, like they changed the questions that they were kind of asking us and we had no idea. And I remember in my testing room in the middle of it, somebody just started laughing and it was so terrible. And I was late for tech week because there were kids who were late to the test because they were taking an AP Spanish test and the AP Spanish iPads like broke. Um, And so I was like an hour late to a tech rehearsal, which already was giving me big anxiety. And my dad was waiting in the parking lot for an hour to pick me up to bring me to that tech rehearsal. It's not like I could text him and be like, sorry, we're running late. And he thought that I was like dead or something. And then it was just a terrible test. I was like, I there were questions. I didn't even know what they were asking me. They were they were awful. They were terrible. But I got a four. So, you know, it, it's OK. You know, but yeah, that's... if I got a four, that means everybody did terrible because I'm not lying. I'm not trying to be humble when I say <laughs> that I did not do well on that test. Anyway, AP Art History is a great class, though. You should take it. <laughs> so I'm going to test you on your AP Art History knowledge. Yikes. Because today's <laughs> game is called Block, 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 Block. We talked about writer's block. But in today's game, we're going to talk about another block, wood block. I we're going to talk about wood. I didn't cut. learn like anything from like about like wood block from APR history, but wood okay. Cut? Are you yeah. woodcut? Sure. That's how much I don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you're going to learn some more today. So okay. This is going to be questions about woodcut and the history of it, as well as one question about technique. Okay. All right. So. Woodcut was used during the Renaissance early modern period in many European countries. But what continent did woodcut originate from? Was it A, Europe, B, Asia, C, Africa, or D, the actual origins on the continents are unknown? Africa. It is in fact B, Asia. It's originally from China, although they don't know when it originated like really? first. Really? I feel like yeah. I learned so many woodcut things in Africa. It's actually, it originates from China. 
Well, <laughs> the more it's in antiquity, so they don't know actually what how early it was. I feel used, like I've but... seen really cool, like really old woodcutty things from Africa in my AP art curriculum. But whatever, okay. <laughs> Lame college board. Mm-hmm. Question two: While woodcut originated in China, in which Asian country did their technique of woodcut introduce the popular genre of floating world and become an influence for European artists? Is it A. Japan, B. the Philippines? C, Korea, or D, what is now Vietnam? I'm going to need you to repeat that question again. What? <laughs> While woodcut originated in China, okay. in which Asian country did their technique of woodcut introduce the popular genre of floating world and become an influence for European artists? Floating is it, world. Okay. Is it A, Japan, B, the Philippines, C, Korea, or D, what is now Vietnam? Okay. I think that it's something i think that it's japan but if it's the philippines i'm in so much trouble because i'm filipino so that's not good good news for you you're not in trouble it is in fact japan okay go me okay (laughs) all right there's actually two questions on technique all right question three the technique of printing that woodcut does is in many ways similar to movable type is it true or false movable I know what printing is. Movable. That's the that's the printing technique used in the fifteenth, sixteenth century. Yes, and movable type is the is that's the type of print. That's the kind of printing. Oh, um, true. That is correct. Oh, go me. I don't understand anything today. So, question four: Which of these is not a method of woodcut? A rubbing. B, hand press, C, stamping, or D, printing in a press. What was the second one? Hand press. Um, no, rubbing? It is, in fact, hand press. The one oh, I was about. almost going to do hand press. I was thinking about hand press. <laughs> the other three are, according to Wikipedia, uh, methods for woodcut. I was thinking about hand press. That's why I asked about it, and then I didn't do it. Well, gosh darn it. Okay, final question, question five. In this country, woodcut was used as a tool for political activism and is in fact still used today for it. Is it A, Japan, B, France, C, Iran, or D, Mexico? Mm, I don't think it's France. And then what was B? Uh, B was France. Oh, what was A? A was Japan. Okay. And then what was C and D again? I kind of forgot. That C was, was Iran and D was Mexico. Hmm. I'm trying to think about like what has like the most trees. You know? <laughs> like who has the materials to cut <laughs> so much wood? You know? I mean, there's... I'd say trees are pretty abundant. Maybe... Iran? It is, in fact, Mexico. Uh, that was my other guess. I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. Well. Well, well, well looks well. like looks like the AP art history curriculum is not good enough. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to complain about that, please go write to College Board. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would very much recommend writing to College Board. And if you get writer's block while writing to College Board, uh, uh. use any of the techniques we've mentioned so far in this episode. <laughs> 
All right, so that was our episode on writer's block. If you have a play that you're currently kicking around with writer's block, maybe use some of the techniques, and when you finish, you can submit it here to the Playwright Repertory Podcast. We'd mm-hmm. love to give your play a reading here. And what did you say, Sarah? Should we have, like, a deadline for people who want to be part of our fall season? Yeah. Or we'll the make fall a catalog? deadline. We're going to make a deadline just to keep make you... make a deadline. Just to this, keep you up, yeah. This this is not a deadline deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can submit that at tinyurl.com. Ti- ooh, wow. Tinyurl.com <gasps> slash PRP submit. I fumbled over my words. Again, that is tinyurl.com slash PRP submit. We'd love to read your play and give it a workshop here on the Player Repertory Podcast. And this is episode 17 which means 17 that again 16 others which means we should have had Zach Efron on this because he's mm-hmm. 17 again okay okay i'm <laughs> that's down that's my one i'm a pop culture reference let me call uh, let me call up Zach real quick oh we go we go by Zach Bring. <laughs> yep <laughs> you can go listen to the previous 16 episodes on spotify google podcast apple podcast stitcher, stitcher. We are not sponsored by them yet. <laughs> I was actually listening to your podcast yesterday where Stitcher did sponsor them, and I thought it was really funny. Uh, oh, there's a podcast where Stitcher sponsored them? Yes. How did this get made? It's sponsored by Stitcher. <laughs> Stitcher, hit us up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can go listen to any of those episodes. You can ask your Alexa. She'll tell you, like, you'll go, hey, Alexa, play the Player Repertory podcast. Or go, your okay. Apple Home. Or your Google Oh, wow. Pumping the eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, go give those episodes a listen. And if this is your first episode or your 17th, go fill out our survey we have asking viewers what they would like to see more of on the Playwright Repertory podcast, what they're interested in, what they've liked so far. We want to really tailor this thing to you guys and what you guys want. Uh, if you want to go find that, you can find it in the link in the, our Instagram bio. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where we got this idea to do the writer's block episode. So we're listening. So we're listening. So you know, tell us, tell us what you're feeling, what you want to hear, and if you uh have some niche idea to do a mini episode like this, come on down. Yeah, DM reach, us, email us. Do yeah, it. reach out to us, and we can figure something out. Mitchell Huntley, do you have any final thoughts? Don't. Dismiss the cow. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.